password. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and, and everything else we love. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. This Mid- week, we are talking about The Ballad of Midsummer County, which is season 17, episode 3, and this is episode 103. Of our regular episodes. I need you to explain something to me. Hmm. First of all, first of all, two things mm-hmm. off the top. Mm-hmm. If you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. Yeah. Second of all, we are going to talk about suicide. So just be aware. It's part of the episode. So be warned. And if yeah. you are anyone you love and needs help, if you have suicidal thoughts or you're worried about somebody, Call the national hotline. In the, here in the U.S., it's 1-800-273-8255, but there are lots of international numbers, too. It's touched us even just this week. Yeah. It's sad. Yes. But we're not going to dwell on it, but it is mentioned in the episode, so just so you know. Please remember, you're not alone. The maniacs are in bed with you. <laughs> I don't know if you. that's better or worse. Some of you. <laughs> Another little announcement before we dive into this episode is that by the time this episode is released and you're listening to us through your little earbuds, there will be a new design up in the merch store. We're on Spreadshirt. I'm sure you know where those links are. Yeah. Um, and I'm releasing it now because it is an image that has Sykes and a variety of murder weapons from from the John Barnaby episodes. Yes. And this is the last episode to include one of the murder weapons that is in the picture. So it'll be on uh, t-shirts, bags, all that good stuff. And it's got eels and eggs in it. Yes. So look for that just to check it out. Even if you don't buy anything, go check it out. I think it's pretty cool. I think I got this episode confused with the Midsummer music episode from before. What was that called? The Melody Midsummer Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Midsummer Rhapsody. This is a ballad, and that was the Rhapsody. Because I thought I hated this episode, when in fact, I actually kind of like this episode. The Rhapsody episode is the one I don't like. Of the two of them, this one's much better. They do the music really well in this episode. Because they have actual musicians doing it. Several actual musicians. Now, they don't use any of the equipment that is featured, but... We'll get to that. There's a special thanks in the notes for this episode to a guy who organizes a folk festival in Oxfordshire. Like, oh, okay. So they must have used him as like a connection to, to wrangle all these all other, these, people. these actual are, folk bands who came and performed. Our actual folk bands that perform. Yes. So tell us when this was filmed and all that good stuff. Filmed in May and June of 2014, broadcast the 11th of February, 2015, 5.39 million views, directed by Rennie Rye and written by Paul Logue in Lower Crosby. Which is the first time we've been in Lower Crosby. Yes. I don't know why they won't go back to any towns we've been to before. Lately, it's all new places. It's all very new places. This village, like other villages, has a theme. Live here if you like folk music. Yes. If you don't, get out. And everything <laughs> revolves around the folk music festival. And if it moves all the way to London, a mere 60 miles away. 
the entire town will be shut down. Well, I can understand that. 60 miles is enough that it's no longer in this town bringing them the revenue and the visitors and my, the tourists. My feeling is if they're having a, fil- a folk festival, they need more than two stages. Just saying. It's not that big. It's not that big. It's the Lower Crosby Folk Festival. Yes, it is. It's not like the UK Folk Festival. They created an enormous amount of stuff for this episode. There they are did. posters, flyers, banners, everywhere, t shirts, yeah. all sorts of They say, thing. Folk! Yes. <laughs> they have an exclamation point. I know you can get excited about folk music, but it's just not an exclamation point to me. It's not Folk! <laughs> And speaking of folk music, we start off right away with the song, which is so much better than I thought it was. I I know you hear it a lot in this episode, but I thought it was like, uh, like not as, like not as bad as the music that the author listens to in the car. Yeah, not that at bad the book, in the book festival episode. Yeah. yeah, but no, this is a well-written song written by a songwriter. Yes. For this episode. Seth Lakeman wrote this. Yes. And if you look him up, he's actually fairly involved in the 90s and 2000s music scene all across the UK. He played with a band called The Levelers, who I really like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, he's done a bunch of music stuff. And Lucy Jones, who plays Melody Carver sings a version of it there's a there's a video on youtube of, of this song of them with play. them with them performing it seth's a pretty good looking guy too yeah i like his version that we hear in the episode with him singing but she sings it super well too yeah i mean she's got a beautiful voice which is no surprise because she was a finalist in the x factor in 2009 Oh, okay. And then she was the UK entry for the 2017 Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, okay. So she, I mean, she's an actress, but she is also a singer. She does a lot of singing. Definite singer. So this song, let's just talk about the song. Yes. Since it kind of lays over the whole deal here. Yes. The story of the song, of course, is this guy, John Henry, he's out in the woods hunting. He comes along, uh, he comes upon a woman there, a maiden with flowers in her hair yes and she says come to my little cottage and she gives him fresh eggs and live eels well yeah they don't mention cooking them no he says thanks so much that was really nice of you i gotta go and she goes wait i thought we were in love and he says no i'm actually engaged to somebody else and she goes oh well then you betrayed me and slits his throat yep the end that's the story don't go to strange houses of women in the forest did that story sound familiar to you? Uh, like all kind of folky stories. Now, it wasn't John Henry that we know of in American folk music, John Henry, but... No, because in the U.S., the John Henry that we know, he's a he was a real man, but we don't know if his name was John Henry. It may have been a little bit different. It may have been John Hardy. Yeah. Um, but he was a real man. He was a black man from the South. And in the late 1800s, he, the, the fable was that he could dig, outdig a tunnel over the newfangled steam shovels. Yes. He he outdug it because he was so big and so strong. He's he's almost like a Paul Bunyan type yeah, and guy. He, he is linked intrinsically to trains and steam yes. and black physical power. Yes, because he represented formerly enslaved people and their role in this new industrial society. Yeah. There's so much written about John Henry, really good stuff written about John yep. Henry. But 
that's not who this song is about. No, this is about John Henry, the pasty white guy from England who gets his throat <laughs> slit by some tart in a well feeds him eggs and eels. Okay, this is a Scottish story from folklore. Mm-hmm. Is actually it, and he's Henry Lee. Okay, that's the name from the folklore. Does Henry Lee sound familiar to you? A song about Henry Lee? It sort of does. I'm... The Murdoch episode where Eva Pierce kidnaps him and ties him to a bed and she wants to marry him and he's trying to get away. By the way, Eva Pierce is a bad guy. Eva and... Pierce is a really bad, bad lady <laughs> Murdoch. in Murdoch Mysteries. She sings this song about Henry Lee. Lay down, lay down, Henry Lee. Yeah. Lay down with me. And she says, I'm in love with you. And he says, I'm actually in love with a woman that is way better than you. Oh, and so she kills him. Which is kind of the plot of that episode. But it that's the story of the song. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? The first reference to it is in 1880. And in that version, he's called Young Hunting because he's a hunter. Yes. Right. So there's lots of different versions of this. The story of a man out in the woods hunting. He accepts the hospitality of a woman who then misunderstands his intentions. And then and he's always innocent, by the way, and then kills him. Then there's this other version where he doesn't have such good intentions and they've had an affair before and she has his child and he comes back and she's like, oh, you're going to be back with me. And he's like, no, no, I'm marrying this other lady. And so she kills him and dumps his body in a river. Okay. And all the other ladies of the village help. Oh, okay. But <laughs> there's a bird in that story that talks to her and taunts her and makes fun of her the whole time. Oh, that's okay. interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, taunty bird. So probably the best known version of this, I can't believe you don't know this version, is Nick Cave and PJ Harvey recorded Henry Lee Oh, on an album called yeah, Murder Ballads. Yeah, I remember this. It's now. also on YouTube. Yeah. I have to say, the two of them in the music video disturbed me a bit. If, if you don't know, Nick Cave's a rather dark Australian musician. Yeah. And, and PJ Harvey's uh, rather dark female English musician. Yeah. And the two of them together, they were in a relationship when they recorded this. And you can tell that from the video. And then they had this awful breakup. Yeah. (laughs) This. Yeah. So if you want to know more about the song and the story behind the song, look up Henry Lee instead of John Henry. Okay. And you'll find the UK version of it. So Seth Lakeman builds on that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's a good song. It's a beautiful song. Meanwhile, the Barnabys are having a bit of a debate about music, too. So the Barnabys are discussing the driver on the bus. The fact that Sarah thinks that they should play the same song to Betty every morning during breakfast for a routine, right? To make her feel safe. And John says, but you don't have good taste in music. Yes. And she's like, how can you say that? And he goes, "Um, you own the Black Lace album. Enough said. Yes. I had never heard of Black Lace. Nor had I. All the people in Britain now are laughing. (laughs) They're like, wow, sorry you had to be exposed to that. First of all, let me say, Black Lace with a space between the words and without a space are very different bands. Yes. Without a space, it's, it's, it's a, hair, hair rock. A 1984 hair rock band from <laughs> California. But with a space, it's two dudes that sing innuendo-laced weird party songs that are kind of like doing aerobics. Songs that you would listen to on a car trip with a three-month-old? No. Well, maybe because a three-month-old wouldn't get it. Yeah. They've got a song called Gang Bang. Yeah. We listen to the Gang Bang song. (laughs) 
I actually typed in gangbang into YouTube. Um, it's, uh, you typed in black lace gangbang. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's a very different search. That's true. I think, having listened to them, that they're like cruise ship music. Yes, they're very much cruise ship music. They are not the parody level of Weird Al. No. No, they're no. more a slightly innuendo-y wickles. They're like um, line dancing music. Yeah. A lot of their songs have, have dance moves built into them. Yeah, both their videos on YouTube have 14 million views. Well, they're best known for this song called Agadoo. Yeah. I we will watched, now do a rendition of we just... We watched the video for Agadoo. Just four lines from Black Lace. And I don't even have to sing them. I'll just read them. And if you've never heard of Black Lace, this is your opportunity to judge Sarah Barnaby's choice in music. Okay? Now, I'm going to say, if you're a British person and don't want this stuck in your head... <laughs> Skip ahead 15 Skip seconds. Skip ahead 15 seconds. Are you ready? Go. Agadoo, do, do, push pineapple, shake the tree. Agadoo, do, do, push pineapple, grind coffee. To the left, to the right, jump up and down and to the knees. Come and dance every night. Sing a hula melody. That's How no- do you jump up and not down? I don't Can know. you stay up? I don't know. <laughs> Do they have magical abilities to levitate? I don't think so. Bastardized version of dancing on the ceiling. (laughs) Shake the tree. Anyway, if that is representative of her musical taste, then I agree with John. She doesn't have such good taste. Well, and I'm going to agree with John that playing the baby the same music over and over again is going to make the baby insane. (laughs) (laughs) I am... I am here to tell you you should play as wide a range of music for your children as possible. Expose them as to lots of things. As soon as possible. Yep. Yep. Now, let's get on to the murder. So Liz Gray finds Toby. Poor Toby. Toby winning. Who is his Who is face. now losing. Yes. <laughs> whose face was shoved into a bowl of eggs and eels. Live eels. Yes. He's a music promoter. He established the Lower Crosby Music Festival, Folk Music Festival. Liz Gray does not give a flying about him. Give a flying fob. She has no fobs to give. She has no fobs. She drinks her coffee. She finishes. And washes yes. the dishes before she calls the police. She is not the typical midsummer housekeeper. No. She's no Mrs. Bundy. She's no screaming Mrs. Bundy. No. And she, she also doesn't time travel. She doesn't run out the front door. Ah! She's like, well, this is inconvenient. Hmm. I would think she maybe even went through her shit before. <laughs> I wouldn't she put called it past the cops. Yeah. Now we need to talk about Toby before we go on. Okay. Because Toby is one of those characters in a midsummer that basically dies before the, the story starts, right? Yes. I mean, we don't get to know him. We don't nope. we don't ever really get to not, see him alive. Not even in flashbacks. He's alive for very few seconds on screen. But he's a rather important guy, the, oh, the person who plays him. I did not know. And I'm not going to say he's an actor. Okay. The person who plays him is Stuart St. Paul. Okay. Now, if you look at his credits, he was the stunt coordinator for five episodes of Midsummer Murders. Okay. Most of his credits are for stunt coordinator. So maybe they needed a, like a dude didn't show up and he's the dude? Or... Maybe they couldn't just shove an actor's face in water like that, and they needed somebody who had stunt abilities just for, like, insurance purposes. They might to not, Like, yeah. we can't accidentally kill him. Yeah. But he has some really interesting credits. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yes. 
He was also the stunt coordinator for The Seed of Chucky. Okay. Which is the third Chucky movie. It's the third Chucky movie. He was also a uh, stunt coordinator for The Bill, for lots of episodes of The Bill. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting guy. Because then I read that he played the right-hand side of the queen alien in Aliens. Oh. I'm like... Ooh, dang, that's awesome. That's cool. He was the right-hand side of the queen. Yeah. My estimation of him went up quite a bit. I would think so. And then it crashed to the basement. Okay. Because he wrote and directed that stinky status quo movie. Oh, wow. (laughs) He wrote and directed it. Yes. That's the movie reference that we can't get rid of. I know. I know. (laughs) He wrote and directed it. By the way, we realized that Status Quo is a real band and they're very popular. And people like them. And that's fine. But this movie was a bad decision. But it has John Lovitz's nipples on it. (laughs) The movie poster. You're traumatized, aren't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you can blame part of it on Stuart St. Paul. Because though he was the right hand of the Queen and Aliens, he wrote and directed that movie. That is the wheel of fortune, man. I Heights <laughs> to lows right there. Good choice. Bad, bad choice. choice. Well, you know, you got to do work. Yeah. So. Yeah, you got to work. Yep. I just wanted to tell you about him because that's really the only time we can talk about him is right there at the beginning. So Danny Carver does all of the audio and sound equipment for the folk festival. Yes, he is sound for hire. Does he do all of his business in one week of the year? I think so. Because how much demand could there be in Lower Crosby the other 51 weeks of the year? Well, there's going to be a running theme here in this episode. And it is treatment of musical equipment. <laughs> You're really irritated, I was, aren't you? I was traumatized by the way he was throwing those airplane cases around they're the empty. back of his truck. That's what they're made for. But he basically keeps his stuff in a shack. He seems to own a rather big farm. He has a big farm. Now, maybe he, maybe he's not the tenant farmer. Maybe he doesn't really own it. He just owns that house that's part of a bigger farm. But there's a great big barn across the way that has, like, huge hail bays and everything. Yes. Hay, hay bales, not hail bays. Hail bays. <laughs> and he... It just makes me think of Beyonce. Yes. Why does that make me think of Beyonce? Do not know. <laughs> He has some rather expensive equipment there, too, mm-hmm. in that rundown shack that he doesn't lock and drives away from. This is going to be a theme running through this episode, listeners, yes. of Mark being irritated by the way musical equipment and accessories are treated by the people of Lower Crosby. Yes. So he does the sound hire stuff. I do like to point out mm-hmm. that... Because they actually have a sound guy for hire here. Not that he There's no feedback mics. He he, sets everything up. Not that he stands behind a mixing board. No. But there's no feedback mics. Yes. His daughter... His daughter is Melody Carver. Yes. The one that we've already referenced as being the one who sings the official version of the Midsummer Ballad. Yes. Ballad of Midsummer. And then... And that's at the George Hotel. Well, she works at the George Hotel. Yes. Which is owned by Tom and Claire Asher. Yes. She should really be called Claire Anger because she is angry all the time. I think she's a bit disappointed in her lot. Now, Uh, she must have been... Did she inherit the hotel or did she buy it? Because he doesn't own it. Her dad gave her the hotel. Okay. 
So she's not real pleased with her lot in life, the no. way that it's going. No. Now, she's played by Claudie Blakely, who yeah. was in Lark Rise to Candleford. She was in Gosford Park. She's been in a ton of things. Yes. She's a really good actress. I yes, really like her. she is. But her husband, Tom Asher, that's Dean Andrews. Did you recognize him from anything? No. He's in Ashes to Ashes, and he's in Life on Mars, the Gene Genie yep. shows. Yep. The historical cop time travel Weirdness. Yep. He's in both of those, those series. And he's, okay. He, I think he's yeah, really he's good. Yeah, he's in that. He's a good actor. That's right. I, re yeah. I recognize him from those. So that's the hotel. Then we get my favorite character of the episode. Okay. Who is Alice winning. Alice. The widow. Yes. Of Toby. Yes. She's fantastic. She is indeed fantastic. She keeps, well, okay. So they're split up. Yes. Right? They're in the process of being divorced, but they're not divorced yet. Yes. So they have to go to her house to talk to her. Yes. Now she's 20 minutes from needing to be on stage at the folk festival. Yes. Which is just starting. Yes. And she's just sitting around her house. Like, wouldn't you be there if you were on in 20 minutes? You'd already be there, right? I would. Well, I, I tend to show up early. You like to be I early. But I would still be there. The weirdest thing I noticed in her house is that in her kitchen, it's either a dartboard or a big plate on the wall. Yeah. With a folk festival poster over it, and then two pairs of identical reading glasses hanging from the top of that. Yeah. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that. <laughs> Later, she is putting liner notes in her own CDs. Yes. From, and, from 12 years ago. Yes. And then she becomes the psychic cleaner. Yes. Like, she goes through quite a little character arc. She is a character arc, and they do something interesting when she's playing, because she actually sings mm -hmm. when she's singing, mm -hmm. but they have a decoration on stage that covers her left hand. So you can't see that so she's not playing the guitar? You can't see that she's not playing <laughs> guitar. There's an accessory. The sound in this episode is really good. It does... A very good job, mm -hmm. I'm going to get Greenland here, of going from diegetic to non-diegetic sound. What's that? It means sound that the, that the characters can hear and not hear, right? So usually soundtrack music is something characters can't hear. Right. But then when they turn on a radio, that's diegetic. They can hear it. Okay. So right? non-diegetic means it's outside the world. They yes. can't. Okay. And they do a great job of playing uh, music that the characters hear as soundtrack music. Mm -hmm. And then the characters hear it. And th that that's a great kind of world building activity and exercise. Yes. Like when we first hear the Midsummer Ballad song at the beginning, you can't hear that. Mm -hmm. Like the characters can't. So that's non-diegetic. Yes. Okay. But, but when she sings, it's like... It's soundtrack music because we go away from her mm -hmm. and, we and we still, still hear, hear her singing. Okay. So thanks sorry. for teaching us that. Yes. No, it's interesting. Yes. Then we get to meet Brian Gray, who is the infamous Lives Gray's son. So right? so Brian Gray is at a pub that is the indoor venue. There's mm -hmm. an outdoor, there's three stages, sorry. There's the outdoor stage. The beer garden at the pub. Yes. Then the inside stage at the pub. And then the outside stage near the sun. Yes. <laughs> By the way, there are a number of pubs in England called the sun. Mm. I looked at all of them. <laughs> I thought you meant like the sun was really bright there. No, no. Because this pub, is June. It's a sign that says the sun. Oh, 
Wow, now we know where that is. No, I looked everywhere in England. Oh. I thought it was like the, the center of our solar no, system. No, that's where she <laughs> That's where she performs, that outside venue. Oh, okay, okay. Not in the beer garden. No. Where Melody later almost performs. We'll get to that scene. At the inner venue, the inner pub, they have a large poster for the folk festival mm-hmm. with the names of the acts on it. Okay, we were talking about Brian. I know, but then we started talking about the... But we didn't talk about Brian. Okay. Can we back up? Yes. So there's all these venues, and Brian's all over the place, right? Yes. Brian Gray's all over the place because he is the... Either he's Toby's assistant or his business partner, depending on who you ask. Who you ask. What you don't have to ask is what the heck does he have on? Because throughout the entire episode, he's wearing the same suit. Yes. It is a sharkskin suit. Do you know what that means? It's like that shiny material. Yeah. Which it it was kind of big in the 50s and the 60s. And then it kind of went out of fashion and now it's back. It's actually wool. I didn't know that. I thought, I thought, wow, that's like a plastic suit. Do they buff it or something? It's polished. Yeah. yeah, But it's very soft, apparently. It looks like it would be kind of plasticky, but it's not. No. But it still has kind of a stereotype of being sort of. Not sleazy, but if you wear it during the day, maybe. He's concert promoter guy. Yeah, yeah. He's very like, oh, I'm all over this business. Yeah, I'm a businessman. Yeah. But he's actually running Toby's business into the ground. Yes. Overspending on this potential move to London. Yes. For the big folk festival. Yes. So you noticed a poster in one of the venues that was like a summary of the event? Uh, yes, and had number of acts on it. Are these real acts? No. Oh. Do they have cool names? No. Oh. The Country Top, Bright Brown Eyes, my favorite, which is The Man and His Horse. (laughs) Do you think his horse is actually part of his band? Western City Skies, The Merry Winners, The L-something City Divers, and finally, His Field. His Field. Yes. Wow. Those are almost as good as the names of the songs on Alice's album. So Alice made an album back in 2002. Uh-huh. You can buy it for £5.79 now online with free shipping. You can? Yeah, according to Barnaby's computer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And this record that she made... Did had... you notice the front of it? The photo of her on it? Yeah, she... It's the least folk fi- photo ever. She it's... looks like Grace Jones. It, it's a bit Lenny Kravitz, too. So it's called Folk Moods, Mm -hmm. right? Alice Winning. Now, if she's been, her name is Alice Winning, that means in 2002, she was married to him. Mm -hmm. So they've been married a long time and now suddenly getting divorced. Yeah. So. Okay. So. What was your favorite track on her album? Well, first I want to read to you the little blurb that it says on the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to read that. The debut album of the eagerly anticipated Alice Winning Folk Moods, Alice, through understanding of all things folk, storms from her many years co-organ... Stems, not storms. (laughs) Stems from her many years of co-organizing the Lower Crosby Annual Folk Festival situated in the county of midsummer that says nothing about her music about her music she's there and so she made an album yes okay so the ballad of midsummer county is on there the day we we went to the field no i want you to read your favorite don't read all 15 tracks okay what's your favorite i'll give you two 
I like Robin Redbreast. Okay. Okay. And When Love Runs Out. <laughs> Those are your two favorites? Um, followed by The Mountain of Abundance. Yes. <laughs> The Mountain of Abundance. I can only imagine what that song is like. I think my favorite tunes are Apple Tart with Love. Yes. That's almost six minutes long, apparently. It is. Five minutes and 47 minutes long. Love Behind a Window. Yes. But my favorite is one called Truth Hurts that's less than two minutes long. But then, <laughs> but then you have Autumn Leaves, which is seven and a half minutes long. <laughs> We, we have spent more time looking at this record than, than the, the person who wrote this than list. Than the people who, who created designed this list. the liner notes. Yeah. Because Barnaby is looking at his browser, Big Search. Um, Let's get on Big Search. And pulls it up. We've seen Big Search before, by the way. Wow. There's some good URLs there, too. Yeah. Dating sites. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> I got a screenshot of it. We can share it in this in the show notes. So then we get introduced to Jay Templeton. He of the tiny hat. Yes. Tall man, tiny hat. He's the future of folk music. Which is a dichotomy, okay? <laughs> Sarah's not a fan of folk music. That's like saying the future of landline phones. <laughs> You know, it's, I guess it depends. It depends how you define folk music, right? On yes. one hand, folk music is historical music that is like typically pastoral. It's, you know, er, it's rural music and it's been around for a long time and it's connected to long-term traditions and, and that you sing these stories and, and songs that have history to them. On the other side, you can say folk music is a style of music that can be brand new songs that don't reference anything historical or traditional, but they are in a folksy style. Yes. So, for instance... I am not a fan of folksy music. Alice sings a song called Lord Randall mm -hmm. from 1803. That right? is a folk song, not a folksy song. Uh, I'm sick at the heart and I fain wade lie down. When it's got oldie language in it. Yes. You can say that it's a folk song. And that's the stuff you don't like. No, I do. I do okay. like the historical music. Okay. You don't I don't like... like folksy music. I oh. don't like when people just put on, you know, a big dress and have an acoustic guitar and say this is folk music when okay. they've just written it. I don't I don't like that style. Okay. Other people can. I don't. You know the lady who plays Alice Winning? Her name's Reiki Iola. Yeah. She played the chief judge in Dread. Oh, she did? The Dread movie. The, the judge... good Dread movie. Yeah. Yeah. With Keith Urban. Yeah. Yeah. She plays the chief judge in that movie. That that character could not be more different than Alice Winning, who's a bit kind of flighty and silly. Yes. And then chief judge. That, yeah. I remember now In Judge Dread. No, in Dread. Dread, sorry. Yep. It's just dread. It's just dread. What do you think of Jay Templeton, he of the tiny hat? Um, He knows how to hold a guitar properly. Okay. And he sings. Yeah. That's that's what I think of him. He He's kind of opportunistic, but he's a young man who's a musician. It doesn't really surprise me that he's opportunistic or portrayed as opportunistic. He feels that by flirting with Melody, he'll be able to get closer to her uncle's slash father's lost tape yeah lost tape yeah kate 
I don't think he has no. skeezy. No, no, no. I no. just think he loves. He he actually thinks that Johnny Carver was a, a big figure in, yeah. in that kind of music. And yeah. he wants to recover that lost yes. music. Yeah. And he, he wants to be the one who does it, though. But he'll flirt to do it. Yeah. So. And flatter her and offer her opportunities. He gets a little grabby yeah. at the cottage, but I don't think he's horrible. Kate burns a CD of the song. For 10 quid. She burns two of them. Really? Two, two for 10. It that's, must have taken hours. That's a good deal. Two, two for 10. Two for 10. He gives her like a quarter. <laughs> and she says that the eels in the bowl were elver eels. Elver eels. Do you know what that means? No idea. Let me tell you about eels. Okay. Elver eels are just juvenile eels. Okay. It's not a kind of eel. It's they the have age. to be pretty small. Yeah. In that bowl. Yeah. It's a nice bowl. It is. It's a big pottery. It'd yeah. be good for mixing. Yeah, it would be. Um, Eggs and eels. Though we still don't know where it came from. No, they say it's not mine. I guess it came from the, the hotel. Pub, I guess. Because Asher would have brought it with them. I guess so. I don't know. Eels are mysterious. Yes. Can I tell you that? Yeah. You, you were mentioning this earlier. They're <laughs> weird things. Only recently have scientists discovered how they breed. It has been a mystery, time immemorial. People used to think that they just spontaneously spawned out of the mud in a canal. Well, yeah, they, they thought all sorts of weird things happened in the old timey days. No, this is because if you catch an eel that is under 10 years old and you, you cut it open, it has no sex organs. Okay. So they couldn't figure out how they breed. Yeah. They, they don't have the bits. Yeah. They have such a long developmental span. Okay. That until they're anywhere from 10 to 25 years old, they're not ready to breed. They oh. don't have the parts. Then they grow the parts? Yes. Wow. And so eels in America, right? Freshwater eels that live in rivers and lakes, they go all the way out to the Sargasso Sea to breed. They travel like 3,700 miles. Do you know where the Sargasso Sea is? Not off the top of my head. It's funny. I didn't either. I'd heard it, but I didn't know where yeah. it was. It's part of the Atlantic. Okay. Basically. It's the the part of the Atlantic that's off the east coast of North America where all the trade winds kind of Okay. They kind yeah. of churn this big sort of circle in the middle of the ocean and they call that the Sargasso Sea. You're telling me eels from Indiana go there? Yes. Yes. That's insane. Yes. And then their babies come back to where they were and huh. live there for ten to twenty five years and then when they just kind of feel in the mood. They go all the way back out. They spawn that far? Yes. Wow. And they cross from the freshwater to saltwater? Yes. Wow. What a weird animal. They, they morph quite a bit to okay. be able to do that. I may never go in water again. So what, what happened was scientists would see these eel-like creatures in the ocean. Yeah. And they would say, well, that's got to be a different species. Like than a the type of eel. Yeah. That's a different species of eel. Yeah. And those eels have sex parts, but the ones at home don't. How is that possible? It's the same animal. They just change so much. It's like they live the first 10 years of their lives as big tadpoles, basically. And they don't become frogs until they go out into the ocean. Wow. 
That's weird. It is weird. I'm going to dream about eels tonight. <laughs> What's weirder are all the theories that people proposed before they figured this out. Oh, I'm and, sure. And I mean, they just figured it out, like in the last five years figured it out. Wow. Because they were finally able to develop a tracking chip small enough that they could put it in an eel and track that it went all the way out to the Sargasso Sea to breed. That's insane. Because before then, they would try to chip them or track them or tag them or whatever, and they just wouldn't go. They would just go, well, then I'm not going to go to the ocean. I'm just going to stay here oh. for the rest of my life. Well, screw you. Yeah. And to, to breed eels, if you want to raise eels, they have to do all this crazy stuff to trick them into thinking that they're in the ocean. So they'll breed. It, and it doesn't they, work usually. They, they bring in cruise ships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they throw a bunch of plastic trash at them. You know, <laughs> oh, you're in the ocean. Dun, dun, dun. There's a shark. Dun, dun, dun. Salty, salty. Salty, salty. Yeah, and then they're like, ooh, let's have the sexy sex. Yeah, they're wackadoodle animals. They're just amazing. Sounds like it. They're amazing. Yeah. I still don't want to eat one, though. No, certainly not with eggs. Not live. That live eggs, live eels, and hard-boiled eggs in water just... And for the record, most people don't eat eel alive. It's not soup. That's not how it's eaten. It's not soup. This song, I don't know why she gives him fresh eggs and live eels. That's not a good dinner. It's weird. Anyway, then we get to see Mrs. Gray again. I love her so much. She's bustling. Yes. Full out bustling with a little baggie. Yes. And they're like, Mrs. Gray, where are you going? I'm taking Brian a treat. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's the most important thing in the universe that she takes him this Belgian bun right now. Yes. I've got to take it to him right He's now. He's got his Bluetooth headset. <laughs> and she says that Toby lied to her and said he was working on his accounts. Yes. But she put her ear to the window and all she could hear was folk music. Folk music. So does that mean you can't do your accounts while listening to folk music? I thought, my first thought was maybe he was multitasking. <laughs> Like, what is the soundtrack to doing your accounts? I if would it's also, not folk music, is there another kind of music you're supposed to listen to? I would also think that a guy who ran a folk festival might listen to folk music when he's working. He might listen to it all the time. Maybe. But apparently the sound of accounts is not, I don't know, is it an abacus clicking? I something? guess. So what's in the bag? <laughs> Nine, two, we, five. We, we have two things to deal with in this, in this scene. And one of them is what's in the bag. Yeah. And the other is what's on stage. Right. What's in the bag is a Belgian bun. Oh, Belgian and bun. And it has nothing to do with Poirot's butt. No. But that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> when I heard Belgian buns, I'm like, you mean like Poirot's butt? No. <laughs> no. Poirot doesn't have a butt. Yes, he has to. He He's sits like down. an eel. <laughs> he doesn't have the parts. No parts. How old does Poirot have to get before he gets his parts? Oh, <laughs> we have gone off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. He's like an eel that's been tagged. He, oh, just, he just decides not to play that game. We've gone off the rails. A Belgian bun is just a Chelsea bun with icing and a cherry on top. I read that and I was like, I could eat one of those right now. No, you couldn't because it's got lemon curd and sultanas in it. And a sultana is a raisin and you don't like raisins. I'd eat it. You if would? somebody gave it to me, I'd Well, eat you'd it. eat it because you're polite and you yes. eat whatever you're given by yes. a nice person who made it for you. Yes. I, I have to say, I think I'd prefer them without the raisins. Well, he got the, the person at the shop got the icing mixed up. I told her not to let it get on the bag. He says, well, you better go back and tell her again. They have an interesting relationship. I had to watch that scene about 20 times because 
I was looking at what was in the background. <laughs> What's in the background besides another folk poster? In the background <laughs> is... Which I'm surprised that they're actually these. There are two what are commonly known as Marshall double stacks. Mm -hmm. So a normal guitar, there are two types of guitar amplifiers. There is what's called a combo, which has the power amplifier and the speaker all in one box. Amplifier is what takes the signal from the guitar and makes it able to be loud. And the speaker is what actually puts out the sound, right? Makes it really loud. Okay. A, 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 an amp like this has a head which is goes across the top, and we'll talk more about it later. Oh, good. And then speakers, right? <laughs> yeah. And these are extremely loud amplifiers. They're like outside concert, blast your face off loud, right? There is no way in that room you would need two double stacks. As far as I could tell by watching the murder over and over again. That would like blow the windows out, Those right? are four by 12 speakers. So that means there are 16 12 inch speakers playing whatever is coming out of that amp. That's too much for folk music. Way too much. Even if they had them set to like the lowest volume, I would think it'd be plenty loud. Now, none of the guitars they play in the entire episode are plugged are in. Plugged in. <laughs> So you're telling me Danny Carver's getting paid for nothing because he's toting amps around all the time, but none of them are being used. And then, and I don't know how the sound person could stand this. There's two things I don't know how the sound person <laughs> could stand. <laughs> when Alice bangs on that mic, boom, boom, boom. No, no. There's another thing that we'll get to. Okay. The second murder I watched easily for an hour. Right. This is when Brian gets yep. killed by the double stack falling on him. That amplifier, the double stack with the head on top. The head, which is easily at this point on top of a double stack. It's like six feet up in the air at least. It would be six feet. It's yeah. on top of a loudspeaker speaker, speaker mm -hmm. which is part of the PA system, mm -hmm. which it should not be. The PA is just for announcements. It's not for music at all. Putting the head somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 feet above the <laughs> stage. <laughs> now, the head is how all the, the bits on it That's that you the have controls. to fiddle yeah. with. Well, I guess you got to stand on a ladder if you want to play with the head. <laughs> wow. I'm uh, so broken. I'm like, yeah. you can play gangbang through that? Yeah. <laughs> I could do, do, do. Yes. Nelson goes and investigates a phone box with no gloves on. No. What was he going to find anyway? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you can't really dust a phone he, box for prints. He finds, They're public things that he, lots of people use. He finds well, some footprints. Sees a hooded person. Runs yes. off. Meanwhile, Frank Wainwright owns the pub. Yes. So he owns a pub, which they call the Captain Farrell, mm -hmm. which I know you want to get into. Mm -hmm. But it's actually called the Fleur de Lis. Which makes sense. Yes. Okay. And, and it was used as the Devington Arms and Masterclass as well. Oh. Yeah. He also owns, owns other stuff, though, in town, right? Yes. He owns like a... He owns a couple of things. What, what else does he own? I was, I was like, wow, he's quite the entrepreneur. Yeah, he owns part of the taxi system and I forget it, but... He doesn't own the hotel yet, but he, he wants to. Yeah. 
in like a restaurant or something like that. I don't yeah. know. But he does own the the Captain Farrell pub. Yeah, that's Claire, a big part of the music. Claire's going to sell the George to him and go off to Spain because she's realized that her husband is horrible. He wants to be a nice man, but he just can't help killing people all the time. He's killing people. So the Captain Farrell is named. I don't know to tell you. The Captain Farrell pub. Is a the name of the pub is a reference to another folk song. Okay. Called Whiskey in the Jar. Okay. Now that sounds familiar to me. It should, because it's like uh, Thin Lizzy's best known song, yes. and Metallica has done a cover of it. Of course it, it does. Right? Thin Lizzy, a Scottish band from the seventies that was led by a guy, a really sort of charismatic black man in Scotland. Yep. And and boys are, are back in town. Are they Scottish or Irish? Scottish. Scottish. Boys are back in town is their number one song. And then another song, uh, more recent song by the Kings of Leon, Molly's Chamber. It's a reference to the same story that Captain Farrell is a reference to. Oh, I was wrong. Thin Lizzy is Irish. Mm-hmm. People would be upset with me if I said I thought they were. were. No, no. I knew the story was Irish, so I figured. Yeah, no, no. Thin Lizzy is Irish. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Please put away your email. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a very anti-British song, actually. Yeah. So Captain Farrell is a British officer. Okay. Right. So the whole story is it's about a highwayman. It's probably about a guy named Patrick Fleming. Mm-hmm. This is from 1650. Okay, when stand and deliver. Highwaymen, that's yep. a real thing, right? Yep. So he may have killed up to 30 people. Wow. And they would have all been English people who were in Ireland. They were the invaders, right? So he was a highwayman. He would hold people up. He killed a bunch of people. He was in love with a prostitute named Molly. Mm-hmm. And he gets all this money from this British soldier Captain Farrell. And he goes to Molly and says, look, I got all this money. We can go. Let's get out of here. We can go anywhere we want. Let's go. But she has sympathies for the British. Oh, oh. Probably because the the British soldiers have been coming to the brothel. They've been offering them protection. Yeah. So depending on which story, which version of the story you believe, she either just gets him drunk and then goes and gets Captain Farrell and says, I've got the highwaymen. Come and get him. Yeah. Or she dunks his gun in water while he's sleeping and then goes and gets it. And him. makes it Because a flintlock. Yeah, flintlock. Once it's wet, wet it, you're screwed, yeah. right? It won't fire. If you follow the Thin Lizzy version of the story, he gets killed. Farrell captures him and kills him. And that's the version that Metallica sings. No. Oh. In the Metallica version, the guy in the story shoots Captain Farrell with both barrels, then gets arrested and goes to prison for the rest of his life. Okay. Molly's Chamber by Kings of Leon, that version <laughs> of the story, is, isn't is even about the murder. It's just about how you can't trust her. Okay. That that Molly is this woman who everybody falls in love with, Yeah. but she doesn't love anybody. No. So don't fall for her. You should listen to the songs. If you've never heard them, Yep. listen to them. They're interesting stories, too, and... Patrick Fleming was a super bad dude, but his story is interesting. He is an infamous Irish highwayman. I'll I'll put a couple of links in the show notes. Yeah. I figure if we're talking about folk music, we should talk a little bit about history. So Frank sings One Morning in May, Mm -hmm. which is another folk song that is... Now, Frank's played by Clark Peters, who is an American. Yeah. He was born in Missouri, but he did a lot of stage acting in the UK. 
Yeah. He seems to kind of go back and forth mm-hmm. between the UK and America. He's done a lot of stuff. He's a good actor. And in, in that scene, he's playing a Takamini acoustic guitar. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. And then the the guy who plays along with him, who plays accordion, is an actual musician who helps all these guys out. Is that an accordion or is it a squeeze box? Like, uh, I understand a squeeze box is kind of an accordion, but it's not like a big accordion. No. With like a full keyboard down one no. side. It's a little octagonal. Yes, it's, it's called concertina. Ah, okay. Uh, he plays a concertina, mm-hmm. which actually uh, is the same type of thing that Steve Martin plays in Murder in the Building. Ah, okay. It's a little concertina. Only Murder in the Building. Yeah. It's I, a good Hulu series. If I, you like murder shows, you should watch it. I hope to buy a concertina someday soon because I like the sound of them. They're, so Frank, so Melody's going to perform for her first time in front of people. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so he puts his guitar away yes. and then picks up a case. Yes. And he brings it over to Melody. And they say some dialogue, but I'm staring at that case. Because <laughs> I know that this is an expensive guitar case. Yeah. Okay? So now, I'm, to me, it's just a guitar case. I can't tell that it's expensive. It's just a guitar case. When he opens it and it's got hot pink fur on the inside, I was like, whoa, what's that? Uh, I said a birdie dirt out loud when he pulled <laughs> that guitar out of that case. <laughs> See, to me, it's just an acoustic guitar. It's just, but it's Uncle Johnny, so that makes it special. But you who know guitars, you you told me you were like, I can't believe she's even touching that guitar. No, no, that's an actual Gibson guitar. Um, I'm not 100% sure of the make, but it is worth between three and $5,000. Okay, it is incredibly expensive acoustic guitar. So when, when Melody jumps down off the stage to chase her dad and she's swinging it everywhere, did you like hold your breath? I may have gasped out loud <laughs> quite a bit. It's like, don't smash that guitar against the t- Oh, watch out for the table. Oh, ow. Uh, she hands it carefully to Frank. Yeah. I And then I, you can breathe again. In my notes, it says, be careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you take care of an instrument. I love how Frank uh, greets Jay uh, before Melody goes on stage. What brings you and your tiny hat to the Captain Farrell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's the future of folk music. He is. Mr. Tiny Hat. He is. Did you like the picture of Johnny and Danny and Frank in their band? Yes, that was really photoshopped. Well, it's a black and white photo except for the blue. Yes. Only the blue is there. <laughs> it is there. And it's all denim. Like yeah. double denim, bell-bottom denim, denim vest, denim guitar case. I don't know. There's denim everywhere. I was like, were they the Blue Jeans band? They were the folky Blue Jeans band. All, all I know is that Danny looks exactly the same, but grumpier in that picture. Meanwhile, we find out that Barnaby has forgotten the song that is their song. Whatever. They make a big deal out of it. I don't care if you remember our song. Do we even have one? I don't we, think we even have one. We have songs that we like that are Yeah, but there's no us. like the song. No. And if I don't remember it, it's not really the song. Yeah. Because if it was, I would know. Yeah. I wouldn't forget it. I think Sarah's being touchy. She's a bit touchy here. Where do you keep your laptop? On In a pizza box. In the attic? In the attic. Because that's where Toby <laughs> keeps his laptop. In a greasy pizza box in the attic. Uh, yeah, I was like, you're going to have to wipe that <laughs> before you use it. Maybe it's a clean pizza box. There's no such thing. <laughs> you think they come pre-greased? Oh! 
Okay, murder two. Yes. <laughs> I have a page of notes on that. First of all, <laughs> he's in the office. Mm-hmm. He hears music. Mm-hmm. This is one of those episodes that has selective power outages. Yes, it does. Right. Because the lights don't turn on and off in the room, but you can clearly see the diddly diddly lights mm-hmm. of what I can imagine is an graphic equalizer set on the demo mode <laughs> music nerd alert facing away from the sound person music nerd alert <laughs> i was kind of surprised that he couldn't turn it off yes from the the mix board i have several points of that's not how any of this works yeah we get that we okay get that. now the important thing he goes up to the stage and an amp stack falls on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, first of all, how much do you think these things weigh? I don't know, because I know they're largely open space on the inside. Yeah. So, that makes me think they're not too heavy, but I also know they've got to be pretty robust. Yes. So... They're wooden covered with material. Yeah. Right? So... Right. So, I'm going to guess they're 100 pounds a piece. Okay. So, each of the stacks... The Marshall stacks, the speaker stacks are four by 12s, and there's two of them, and they're 68 pounds each. Oh. Okay. So that's only like 150 pounds max falling on him. Yes. Now- Now, it does fall from the stage height onto the floor height, I, and he's a little guy. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. Okay. I And, you know- But he could I, probably I, push I, him off of himself if he's not too hurt. Probably if he's not too hurt. What I wish they would have done- and they probably couldn't do this because it would have shown too much of the head. Mm-hmm. That head alone is 58 pounds. Mm-hmm. It falls on the floor, which made me go, <laughs> Those Marshall speaker stacks are old and crusty. Yeah. Like, but the head is where all the electronics the are, head is and where it's a heavier the, thing. It's 58 pounds itself. It could have smashed down on his head and done some damage. It, it nearly hits the actor's head. Mm-hmm. Like, it is really close to hitting the actor's head. Mm-hmm. And it would have definitely killed him Yeah, if it fell on If him. it fell from that height. Yeah. So how are they normally secured? It looks like there's like a strap that connects them to each other, and then it connects to that like lighting rig above them that doesn't seem very secure okay normally you don't put two speaker stacks on top of okay 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 but how are they secured when you do you don't okay they they have grooves and and like they have little feet on them that fit into the the bottom speaker oh so they're made to be stacked yeah but you don't stack them you don't like (laughs) led zeppelin stacks them (laughs) The cult stacks them. Metallica stacks Metallica them. stacks them. But ye olde folk music doesn't stack them. No. Because they could just use like a little boombox. Well, no, not, <laughs> not, not only folk music. That, like, I have a Marshall amplifier. Mm-hmm. And a, and I, I just have a four by eight, I think. So it's four eight inch speaker. Yeah. I can't play that in the house. I know. Like. I remember the one time you turned it on. <laughs> no, no. I turned on my little amp that yeah. loud. This, the big amps, I have never had So this on. is over ampage is what you're saying. Way. They've got to have something to drop on Brian. If they've yeah. only got tiny little speakers or something to hurt him with. It would have melted the faces off the people who were, <laughs> <laughs> who were in the, 
in the crowd. <laughs> you remember that that old speaker, uh, that old, uh, I guess it was it's like Maxwell a, tape commercial. Yes, that one yeah. where the High guy's fidelity. sitting in the chair and yep. his hair blows yep. back. I can just imagine all of the hippie folk fans sitting there and their face is just like back against their heads. Well, and what's <laughs> funny is later on, they put the stack back up. Did you notice that? Yes. They put the murder weapon back up. Yeah. And there's a, a folk band that has like five people in it who are crowded. Yeah, because, because the amps are so big, they don't have any room. Yeah, but you would like, I wouldn't want to be in front of that. Well, then he gets roses shoved in his mouth. Like literally the loudest band I've ever seen mm -hmm. doesn't play double stacks. Yeah, and it's kind of a cruel murder too because he doesn't die right away. He's probably trapped underneath those for hours while he bleeds out. Yeah, but the other guy picks up the laptop. It took me like five minutes to figure out what he picks up. I'm like, what is he picking up? That's because you were so distracted. Yes. Like, oh my God, how could you do that to that equipment? <laughs> and, oh, laptop. So Brian's dead. Yes. <laughs> Which he would have definitely been dead. Yes, in his sharkskin suit. Yeah. And poor Liz. Who's she going to bustle for now? She's really upset and like... This actress does a great job. They never liked him. Yep. They she finally got rid of him. The coffee at the beginning, the bustling, the sadness. Mm -hmm. is. She's a great actress. Yeah. And she's got that combo of sad and angry. Yeah. She does it really, really well. She does yeah. a very good job. <laughs> that office, Toby and Brian's office, Toby has a mic on his desk. Did yes. you notice that one? Yeah, I did. It's like a circle with the circle in the middle. Yes. It's like an old-timey radio mic. It's an old-time condenser mic, yeah. But Brian has this statue of a guitar on his desk that is playing itself. Yes. With big Mickey Mouse hands. I, it's really weird. It's weird. We we need. Do you have a picture yes. of that? We'll put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I got yeah. a shot of it. Yeah. Because it's so strange. So the cottage in the woods... Yes. Is where it was Johnny's house. That's where he recorded. And when Danny go, Danny hasn't been there since Johnny died, right? Okay. I have some problems with the cottage. I know you do. The, okay, listeners. There are thousands the of dollars. The cottage is full of expensive musical equipment that's just been left to rot and just get dusty. Which just there. And Mark is upset about it. You do, you, They're but props. It's, <sighs> I know. I know. You're like, just give them to me. Just give me all that stuff, I'll, Danny. I'll take care of it. If you're not going to use it, if, you're not using if it upsets it. you, just give it to me. I'll take it. Also, don't put tape under slabs of flooring. <laughs> I know. We got it. Yeah. We got it. So, but this is where he died, right? Yeah. This is where he supposedly committed suicide. So I understand why Danny doesn't want to go back there. Yeah. But he also knows that there's a recording that Johnny was making a recording the night he killed himself. Yes. And so he knew that. So he went there just enough to take that tape and hide it under the floor because he never wanted to listen to it. But he also knew nobody ever, nobody else ever needed to either. Because and it must have been before the cops got there. Yeah. Because the cops would have wanted to hear that right, tape. Right, right. But he, Danny believes that his brother committed suicide because there was so much pressure on him about this album that he was doing. And that's why he doesn't want his daughter to be in the music business. Exactly. Which is all legitimate. Absolutely. Like you said early on, Danny Carver did nothing wrong in this 
the whole episode. And he's traumatized after dealing with his alcoholic wife, too. Yeah, who like, just left him with a three-month-old baby. Just left him right? with a three-month-old baby, which he must have known might have not been his. Yes. But then, well, he does do one thing wrong. He attacks Frank. He does. At Toby's memorial. He does. And, and like slams his head against the wall. Wham. And then runs away. He's got, he's got some anger issues. He does. Because he thinks that Frank stole the tape because Frank was there when he hid it. Yeah. And Barnaby and Nelson take Danny into like the snug of the pub and talk to him. And over in the corner is this super weird suit of armor. Yeah. That's not real armor. Nope. But I don't know what it is. I yeah. got a picture of it. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. It's strange. Yeah. But he's he's legitimately upset. He's sad. Frank Frank has also had a difficult life. Yes, he has. Right? And he He's been he is a recovering alcoholic who owns a pub. Yes. Who does that? And he wants he's trying to succeed. Mm-hmm. He clearly works very hard. Yep. And he kept that guitar in good shape for years. There you go. So this is what must have happened, okay? This is weird, but so at some point in time, Johnny Carver is recording by himself. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's singing the Midsummer Ballads. Mm-hmm. Okay? Tom comes in and kills him. Mm, Danny. Not Danny. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you're no, right. Tom. Say again. Tom comes in and kills him mm-hmm. and stages it to look like suicide. Right. Okay. And the, they don't find him for three days. They don't find him for three days. And Danny, his brother, tiny town. Yeah. Danny and Frank find him. Yeah. Well, they were in a band together. It makes yep. sense. And before they call the police, they hide the tape. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to imagine. I don't know. I would think they would have found him earlier than that. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe he just said, you know, I want to be left alone for a little while. I need to do some recording. I don't want anybody to bother me. You, maybe. you know, he lives in this cottage that's kind of secluded anyway. If he asked for time, you'd give him time. I guess. You know? Yeah. I mean, there, you have friends you haven't seen in three days, right? Yeah, I guess. But they did some fast thinking. Yeah, they did. Which would be pretty near impossible once you found your brother. Not only dead, dead by suicide and dead for a couple of days. That's yeah. a bad scene. No wonder the postmortem was a little shaky. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little short. It's like, yeah, he's dead. The end. Heather Carver showing up to me is just unimportant. She doesn't need to be She doesn't in this need to be there at all. She's just problematic. Yep. I don't know why she came back. She doesn't deserve a bunch of sympathy. Yes, she's had a hard time. She's been recovering. And I could under I could understand a case being made for her killing Toby and her maybe killing uh, Sharkskin Brian. Brian. But they don't present her as a as a suspect very well. But in the she episode. is it's not going to kill Frank. No, no. And when Frank dies, he's killed by somebody who doesn't love him. Well, he's told he's killed by somebody who knows how to flick a light switch and can carry a giant bush. A giant bush. That bush is humongous. It's massive. But you know what else is humongous? The umbrella. The umbrella <laughs> that does that does not have a sharpened end. Okay, and why it's important that um, that umbrella does not have a sharpened end is because. Tom has to be the Hulk to have run him through yeah. with that umbrella without a sharpened end. Yeah. 
Because it's not the kind of umbrella you stick in the ground. And even yeah. those usually have like a base that you stick yeah. them into. It's just a pole. Yeah. With and, a thick metal rim around it. And Frank isn't like against a wall. No. You have no leverage. You'd push him over first. Yeah. Right? And then you drive it into him when he's on the ground. Maybe. And then open it. But no. Because that's what you do in Midsummer. Hulky Tom just shoves it through him. Well, he's already carried the giant juniper bush from wherever. <laughs> Nobody saw him doing that. Pushed over the giant Marshall lamps. Yeah. Like, oh, what's Tom doing? Oh, he's just carrying a big juniper bush down the road. Okay. The one that we found at the crime scene? Oh, okay. Well, clearly he's not the killer. Well, I was just Tom moving a bush. Well, plus I saw him pick up a car and throw it. <laughs> so he has... Shove somebody's face into a bowl. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, where do you get the eels? Where do you get the bowl? <laughs> we don't know where the bowl came from. The fresh eggs, not so hard to get, right? Yep. Creeps into Toby's How house. How did he transport the eggs and the eels there? <laughs> In a basket? I guess. Yeah. Okay. They don't climb. I guess not. Well, they actually, they kind of do. They kind of do. They kind of climb up rocks to get back over dams when they're going back. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's just say he has a little red riding basket. Yeah. Okay? It's Pull. Tom. He's coming from the hotel. He's got a little basket. He's got his little eggs and his eels in there. Yeah. He brings his bowl with him because you can't trust Toby to have a clean bowl. Add again, a rest... Uh a, a hotel where they obviously run food and yep. a hotel, yep. and yet he can be gone for swaths of time. Well, it's at night when he kills Toby. It's night. Yeah. Right? Okay. And we know, you know, restaurants in the UK close at what, like six o'clock? Something like I that. I don't know. Anyway, they can close whenever he wants. He owns the place. He runs the place, right? Yep. So he, he brings his big stoneware bowl, because you can't trust Toby to have a no, clean bowl. He's he obviously a slob. Um, puts it on the counter, dumps his basket in, gets some water, puts that out, wakes Toby up. So he does that. He doesn't no. take the bowl back with no. him, at least. No. Right? Then when he kills Brian, yeah, he Hulk smashes the, the, the amps over. But you're saying they're not really that heavy. And he cut the strap that was anchoring them. They would be top heavy. So once yeah. you got him pushed, yeah. they could fall. But Frank's death is truly Hulkomatic. Because and, not only has he carried a juniper bush from wherever it came from, I don't yes. know, but then he he would have to take this umbrella out of one of the tables. Yeah, silently. And then, like, backed up in the dark, like, so he could have, I'm guessing, a running start. Like, ah! We got Frank. But when we see pole cam, he's not moving all that fast. He's moving pretty fast. But still. Not, not fast enough to impale somebody. Not ramming somebody. speed. No, it's not ramming <laughs> speed. But it is enough to certainly knock him down and then continue the momentum to drive it through him with his weight on it. I guess. But then the opening is just a flourish. It's unnecessary. <laughs> There's no open umbrella in the song. It's not nope. necessary to do that. Nope. Oh. That's just how crazy Tom is. He's uh, he is awfully crazy. <laughs> he calls his wife a little scrubber. Well, he's saying that Johnny called her a little scrubber. Yeah, because Johnny was mean to her, but she still loved him. Do you know what a little scrubber is? I would assume it's like a maid. Maybe. Well, it's it's a slang term for a woman who is of low rank, like yeah. who would be a floor scrubber. But it also insinuates that she's a prostitute. Oh, okay. So Johnny did not think much of her. No. And yet she was having an affair with him. And that meant that Hulk Tom had to do something about it. He's been crazy from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I understand the inciting incident 
of this episode. He thought he killed Johnny, and that was the only person he was ever going to have to kill. Right. Because he didn't know that he was recorded. But then doing they found it. the tape, and Toby obviously said something to him. Mm-hmm. Right. The inciting incident works. Yeah. But he is homicidal rage man again right away. He's got to do stuff fast. Yeah. Because once somebody's got the tape. Yeah. So Toby was blackmailing him. Yes. That's why he knew Toby had the tape. Yes. And, and then he has to kill Brian because Brian knows too because Toby had it. Yep. Brian finds Toby's laptop where Toby was amazingly techy enough to transfer the tape recording into a digital file onto his laptop. We still don't know where the actual tape is now. No. And then he has to kill Frank. Yeah. Because. Well, Frank knows about the tape. Yeah. Because Frank was there and it, it when makes, Danny hit it. Like, it makes sense that Danny is next on the hit list. Mm. And that. Those two fighting each other is the appropriate conclusion and climax yes, of the episode. Yes, so. yes, Meanwhile, Alice has become the psychic cleaning lady at the hotel. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I'm psychic. Were you surprised that Melody didn't recognize her mom? Um, I know she was only three months old when she left, but there's pictures of her all over the place. There's pictures of her all over the place, and she kind of looks like her. Like, I would be like, instantly. Like, that is a weird scene. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be ominous, but it never gets there. Heather does come across as creepy. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. But I don't know. I thought she would recognize her because there's pictures of her around. And I would think as a little girl, she would look at those pictures. But Charlie figures it all out, right? Mm-hmm. That that maybe this is not the case. Mm-hmm. And we see a character reach into a box of shotgun shells. Yeah, it's Tom. It's Tom. Getting the shotgun shells out of the On the side of of that box of shotgun shells is Midsummer Guns, (laughs) which is weird. We didn't know there was a Midsummer Gun store. I, I guess. And they are full shot pellets. Barnaby is super brave. He is super brave. And Charlie has the amazing ability. Oh, my gosh. To remove boards without causing any noise at all. Well, and did he have the pry bar in his pocket? He he walks around with the pry bar. All I know is this is probably the closest we've ever seen to a sergeant getting killed. Yes. The fact that he's not at least injured is amazing. He rolls a successful dexterity roll and dodges a shotgun blast, mm-hmm. which is incredible. But the fact that John walks in with Tom aiming that double barrel yeah. inches away from his chest. Yeah. And he knows Tom has already killed several people several and he's unstable. People. Yeah. And he confronts him anyway. Yeah. No body armor, no no no, no vest, it's no super nothing. Super brave. He's super brave. Yeah. This is a good conclusion. Is it like I said Right at the very beginning, I didn't realize how good this episode was. Yeah, yeah. And it ends with Nelson babysitting. Yes. With the Happy Caterpillar book. (laughs) Yeah. And Betty seems to like Nelson. Yes. She's cool with him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a a good story. It's a good episode. It makes sense. There's not big holes in it. The characters are interesting. And it ends with Alice becoming the new music director uh, and Melody singing to Danny as her dad mm-hmm. and she sings the song it's really nice it all it's a very nice complete completion to the ex the thing that makes me dislike heather most is that she meets melody and immediately says i'm your mom and johnny was your dad yeah like how to not 
be a great... It's incredibly selfish. She's a horrible person. She doesn't know if Melody can handle it. She doesn't know what she knows about Johnny or doesn't know. I mean, it's just completely out of context. It's it's a selfish act. It makes me dislike her so much. I mean, good on her for being recovering, but that's like the only redeeming thing about she, her. She is the least redeemable person in the episode. Except, except for, for the human being who places the mics for the guitars. <laughs> because that is not how guitars are mic'd and not how guitars are mixed in oh music. Oh my gosh. All right. Are you done? You got it out? You don't Do you put feel an better? S57 55 <sighs> feet away from a guitar. This Get it not all out. Get it, it all out. <laughs> Best corpse? <laughs> nice corpse. Best corpse. The man is in a bowl with live heels and eggs. And they're still swishing around. They're moving around. His face is in it. In it. Now, the bowl that his face is in may be empty. Still, he's a good dead body. He is. He's a stunt coordinator. Yeah. He he wrote that movie, though. <laughs> I don't know if I can give him best corpse because, wow. He, he, but he was an alien. I know. I know. Second part of the queen. Yeah, I mean, we've got Toby in the bowl, Brian under the speakers, and Frank with the umbrella. Now, if we were to see Frank from a distance with the umbrella full open sticking out of his chest, best yeah. corpse hands down. Hands down. But understandably, or, we don't see that. Or if the head of the amp had hit the head, <laughs> Brian's, Brian's head, you know. And then when they found him, he had like holes shaped like the, the knobs in his forehead. You would, man. <laughs> you would. <laughs> so we both agree that Toby is the best corpse. Yeah. All right. After the credits, okay. Alice is going to run the festival. Yeah. And I'm not sure if she'll do a very good job. I don't think it's going anywhere. But she's enthusiastic and it will stay in Lower Crosby. Claire has needs to go to Spain and yes. forget about this entire town yes. forever. I don't know if she'll be able to sell the hotel that quickly, but somebody will buy it. She, she has some trauma. Who inherits all of Frank's stuff? Let's see. Who inherits all of Frank's stuff? I mean, he owns... He has no kids. He owns the pub. He owns part of the taxi thing. Yeah. He doesn't have any kids. He doesn't have a spouse. No. Who would he leave it to? Distant cousins. Hmm. I think he'd leave it to Melody. I think so. I think he would. Yeah. He loves her. I think it's possible. He loves her like an uncle loves. Yeah. Yeah, There's definite... Thing. Yeah. Where, where does she keep that guitar? I hope she does. I think Frank takes the she, guitar back. <laughs> he has it. He's putting it away. I think he's going to hold on to it. She doesn't have it at the end. No. So. No. He's like, you had your chance to play the awesome guitar. Who's going to get that that awesome Gibson? Certainly not Heather. Maybe Danny's going to start playing music again. Maybe. Maybe. Because he's all in support of, he, of Melody he, doing it. He also has some trauma to work through. Wow. Yeah. But now he knows his brother didn't commit suicide. So True. I and think. hopefully Heather just goes away. Yeah. I can see. Can you see Danny and Alice maybe getting together? Danny and Alice? No. Okay. She's so flighty crazy. Yeah. Heather needs to leave. And and Liz, Liz is going to go with Claire and they're just going to go yeah. to Spain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And live on a beach somewhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jay Templeton, his next single's the new James Bond song. So. Oh, it's the, I have a tiny hat. <laughs> I'm really cool because I got a tiny hat. Yep. He, he writes a song about Belgian buns. 
yep. and sings it in a Belgian accent. Yes. Are you ready for a horrible movie? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, man, is this movie bad. Okay. It is so bad. <laughs> this movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. I'm going to get a point. I only got one. I'm going to get the point. Okay. All right. This is a 1984 movie. 1984. Clark Peters is in it. He plays Frank Wainwright in this this episode. This is right in my wheelhouse. I'll even tell you who it stars. I'm that confident. Okay. Um, Martin Shaw stars in it. He plays George Gently in the George Gently mystery series. You have him in your head? Yep. Okay. Here's your synopsis. This has a 4.9 out of 10 stars. Oof. In the year 2074, the population is... Wait, wait a minute. George Gently, is it a sci-fi movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. In the year what? 2074. Okay. Right around the corner. It's right around the corner. The population is divided into two groups. The elite, who are technologically savvy and are numbers, and the destitute street-dwelling names. A pair of numbers decide to slum it by leaving the hermetically sealed center where they live which is all prog rock laser light shows and white clothing ruled by the all powerful supercomputer named Bruce. To ex- <laughs> You're making this. I'm not making it up. <laughs> so these two elite numbers leave the shelter of the fancy place where they live run by the supercomputer Bruce to experience an evening among the lower class names. One reviewer, because it's a musical too, Oh. said it's somewhere between Rocky Horror and Jesus Christ Superstar with a smaller budget and less plot. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Do you know this movie? Wow. I should know this movie because I, I doubt this movie ever came out on DVD. It probably only came out on cassette tape. No, I do not know this movie. This is the 1984 movie Facelift. What? I don't know why it's called that. Why is it called Facelift? Oh my gosh, wait till you Google it. Wow. Martin Shaw, who is George Gently, that's how I know him. He's younger. He's got chest hair and makeup on and they're singing. And wow, Clark Peters, who is in this episode of Midsummer, may be the redeeming quality of the whole movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, you just Googled it, didn't you? Oof. Ooh. You okay? Wow. Yeah. It's it's interesting, isn't it? What the hell is this? <laughs> You're at a loss for words. I'm so, so going to watch I'm this gonna movie. I'm going to have to watch this movie now, aren't yeah, I? You're, Man, you're... see, it's a double-edged sword. I win because you've never heard of it, and it's a horrible movie you haven't seen, but I lose because now I'm probably going to have to watch it with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that is The Ballad of Midsummer County, Season 17, Episode 3. Marks, what, what is coming up next? Coming up next is a couple of things. One, we have a mini episode dropping this Friday uh, for mini episode 16 for The Witches of Angels Rise. Mm-hmm. So that is October 29th, right before Spooky. Halloween. And which will be our official, unofficial spooky Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, the 1st of November, we will have a vintage murder. Yes. Which yes. is a Lisa Holdsworth uh, written who episode. Who we've interviewed. Yes, yes. Who we interviewed. And that'll be season 17, episode, episode four. four. Yes. Yes. All right. 
Until then, listen to those spoiler-free episodes. We had a lot of fun with them. Yeah, people have been listening to all the stuff that we've put out which is incredible you must be getting tired of our voices if you haven't listened to any of the spoiler free episodes we always do a watch like a maniac like a little list of things you should look for when you watch it i think it makes it more fun to watch it yep and now they haven't been released in england yet sorry but they have been released here yes so all right so until then bye maniacs bye maniacs It's Chunk. It's Chunk. You're keeping an eye on him. I saw Headband Stan standing out on our sidewalk this morning looking at our packs. Well, I, Chunk and Headband Stan went by when I left. <laughs> <laughs> Riveting podcast. Maybe we should leave it in. We should explain that Chunk and Headband Stan are two young teenagers in our neighborhood who we suspect of being creeps who are going to try to steal our Halloween decorations. But they're not. They seem to be nice boys. They (laughs) waved at me when I left. Sure they did. Yes. Hello, Mr. Bell.